Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? June 26th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Farr, alongside managing editor for Fightful MMA, wrestling, boxing, cricket, World Cup soccer, NBA draft, Sean Ross Sapp. Give him a follow online at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. Uh, we apologize for being a little delayed to get this thing started, but we're here. We're ready to go because there's lots to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts. We're going to talk about that UFC Singapore event, which some people liked, some people disliked. Uh, main eventer is Cowboy Cerrone, Leon Edwards. What is next for those two guys? Uh, dual controversies at PFL. We'll get down to those. We'll break those down, of course, pros picks. Uh, we got some fights coming up here. Uh, we'll be joined by Gerald Harris, Sean, uh, one of Sean's favorite dudes. Gerald Harris will be joining us. If you haven't heard, Leota Machida is gone. He's left the UFC. He has gone to Bellator. We will discuss that as well. Talking about Bellator, Michael Chandler's contract is up soon. And we all know what we talked about a couple of months ago with Chandler. Uh, is there something happening uh, on the back burner, something happening on the side? Does he have two irons in the fire? We'll discuss that for sure. Vanderlei Silva, Rampage Jackson, again, it's on the docket. We'll talk about that as well. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you not care? Are you going to watch? You're going to watch. Don't don't even answer that question. You're going to watch. Uh, Gegard Mousasi, Rory McDonald, it's happening. Sean Rossap was one of the first guys that said it's the most mandatory fight in Bellator history pretty much. It needs to get done. It looks like it is done. It's going to happen. Josh Barnett, Gonzo, he's left the UFC. Uh, right before we came on the air, uh, Junior Dos Santos complaining about USADA as well, that they are considered guilty before being proven innocent. Rashad Evans is retired, and everyone's favorite fighter probably on this podcast, Nikita Krylov, is he returning to the UFC? He just got his release, so we'll talk about that as well. Mr. Sean Rossap, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Lots of stuff to get into today, despite, you know, not a newsworthy UFC Singapore show. You know, it's rare that I don't have somebody saying, well, why why didn't you do a post-show, or are you going to do a post-show? <laughs> not only did I not have anybody ask why I didn't do a post-show, I didn't get one tweet about this event, not before, not after, not a peep, not a peep. There are a lot of people who are going to watch this show, Joe, who watched last week, who still don't know this show happened. Don't Very know true. that this event happened. Donald Very Cerrone true. loses. Leon Edwards beat him. I mean... Are you Leon, okay with that 48-47 unanimous scorecard with all three judges? I didn't see it that way, but please go ahead. No, I didn't either. Leon Edwards jumped up to 11th in the rankings, too. They, they put the rankings out a little bit early. Donald Cerrone falls to number 12. So a little bit of movement there. The story of this event really was how angry Jessica I was. And to be fair, <laughs> I did doubt her at Bantamweight. And I still doubt her a little bit at, at Flyweight. And I'm gonna. It's natural for me to doubt a woman who has 
who lost like what five of six fights. It's natural, but man, was she angry after that win over Je- over Jessica Rose Clark? You, you and I have talked about it before, and and, and, and regular peeps that tune into this uh, podcast all the time. Um, by the way, live chat, top ready screen, guys, let's do this. Um, you and I have talked about it before regarding Jessica I, how she operates on a, on a strange frequency, and normally, I don't. If it's not overly relevant, I'll kind of just quickly scan through that post-fight interview if I'm catching up on fights. For some reason, I have to listen to Jessica I, and again, I, I shake my head at half the stuff that she says. It's it's She can say and do whatever she wants, freedom of speech, um, all that jazz there, but man, she's just... I, I don't know how you go from dropping F-bombs and complaining to saying, I act like a woman. Like... Yeah, that was that was a little strange. I mean, more power to her to speak out and, and all that, but she I, and I understand it's her career. Yes, it, it's her career that was on the line. And UFC, while they did have her fight in a weight division, she didn't belong at. They also gave her a very long leash as well, a very, very, very long leash. But she, she said, "You made me fight in this division. You made me." Yeah. Well, I mean, anything. Well, I mean, not in the literal sense, but in order to stay in the company, they did. <sighs> she wasn't going to be in the company otherwise. She was. I, I get from that point because I knew that some people would be like, "Oh, they can't make you do anything." Well, I mean, was she going to go fight in Bellator? They didn't. Uh, they didn't have that division there either. Was she going to fight in Invicta? All right, we'll have fun with your one fight every year in front of two hundred people in Kansas City. All right, well, it's it's not going to work that way. She wanted to make some money, and she. She just wasn't able to make as much money fighting at Bantamweight as she is going to be able to at Flyweight. I mean, she already has more wins in the past, it, since January than she did in her UFC career, if you exclude the, uh, the, the win over Sarah Kaufman that was overturned and probably shouldn't have been. But she lost five fights out of six. That's a very long leash. So while they did have her fighting a weight division up, they they also gave her more opportunities as a result of that, I think, than a lot of people would have gotten. So, I mean, I kind of understand it. I kind of don't. It's justified in my estimation. But also, they 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 gave her opportunities. It wasn't like they, they were threatening to fire her. Oh, well, you're not doing so well, so you're, you're gone. I mean, they gave her a chance. She took a year and a half off, came back, won a fight. And now she's won two in a row. Now she's she's ranked number nine in the division. Hopped Jessica Rose Clark. We'll see how it goes, but this we're going to see a lot of hashing out in this women's flyweight division. I'm more concerned that Joanne Calderwood still hasn't fought in this division. Does she yeah. even have a fight scheduled? Not that I'm... Oh, I think they did announce something. Um, I could be wrong. Let me just double check here. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing her step into the to the cage at this weight class it was i mean you and i had talked about it that this is the one party one person that deserves to be at 125 pounds there's many but you know we'd love to see her compete at 125 she's one of our favorites anyway she's just such a nice human being um no i don't see anything and she missed the first fight like she scheduled her fight missed weight lost and yeah, hasn't she was supposed since. to fight in november yeah, she was supposed uh, no, to fight back in, in November. Yeah, and then she got replaced by Jesse Rose Clark, the aforementioned. But yeah, nothing I can see here. So Donald Cerrone loses. It's three of four. What do you think happens to him now? I, I'm hoping it doesn't lead to him cutting back to 155 for no, the sake of I his hope own not. health. No, I hope not. It's just, you, know, you, you see how he's performing now. Uh, it's safe to say he's in the twilight of his career, right? Um, he's just, but then he does the post-fight interview where he's like, I effing love this. How can you not love this? There's lots of fight left in this old dog. You know, he's not getting KO'd, Sean. That's, that's the first thing we always talk about is guys that are, that are at the twilight of their career, whether or not they should hang up the gloves, they get destroyed against younger competition. It's not happening per se. He's not getting destroyed, but he is losing fights now. I, sorry, the Darren Till fight, he got destroyed. Okay, that's that's when we're starting to look at and think to ourselves, okay, wait a second, what's going on here, right? Uh, against Leon Edwards, um, bloodied right off the bat, opening round, 
had to carry that gash on the right side of his face uh, for the next, what, four rounds, bleeding everywhere. Um, He's not getting crushed per se, but he's losing these fights. At some point, you know, he's going to have to hang up those gloves. I don't know if we're going to see another resurgence. He's had a few resurgences in his career. I don't know if we're going to see another one from him, but, you know, he's slowly now going down the rankings, and I guess it's going to be another one of those situations. You can still put Donald Cerrone in a co-main event slot. He's still pay-per-view worthy. He can headline a Fox show. He can obviously headline, uh, you know, a Fight Pass show somewhere around the world. So there's still, you know, if he still wants to fight, his health is okay, he can get cleared to fight, the UFC has many options with him. Yeah, over the past year or so, he's been there. They're one of their go-to Fox Sports 1 Fight Pass main event guys, and that happened after he lost two fights in a row. So when you've lost four or five, I think it's time to, to pull that back a little bit. Although, I don't know. I mean, the UFC has done worse. They, they put people on like three-fight losing streaks in the, the main event of shows before. But I think it is time to kind of pull him from that. He can be one of those guys that you fight, that fights and look, you look forward to it. But I think it's time to pull him from that. Elsewhere on this show, before we get into OSP and Pedro, really the most noteworthy, Jake Matthews won his third fight in a row. Matt Schnell at flyweight won his second in a row. Anytime any flyweight wins, it's it's noteworthy because you never know where they'll be in nine yeah. months. Uh, <laughs> Oka Sasaki won his second of three fights, and all three of his last three fights have ended in rear naked choke. Four or five have ended in rear naked choke. So that makes like, let's see. 200. <laughs> 12 fights in his career, whether he's won or, won or lost them. My rear naked choke, unbelievable. So that's a good one that was worth uh, looking at. And you had some decent finishes on this show too. Uh, Keenan, Young, Yadong, Peter Yan. All had good finishes. I was surprised that Vivian Pereira lost. I thought that she was going to be one of the future pieces of this division because the only person that had beaten her before the or, or really before this was Tatiana Suarez, and you know how I, I think Tatiana yeah. Suarez is the future. But Jan defeated her, and that's that's good for that market at the very least for the UFC. Because Vivian Pereira, I thought was was a hell of a prospect, and or still could be, but now you have a legit Chinese prospect here. That in WWE they would kill to have a Chinese prospect, one that just didn't suck. <laughs> one that just didn't well, suck. I don't blame UFC them. Yeah. has one right here, and she's now two and zero. Pretty pretty solid, I thought. A pretty good performance, all all things considered. I get what you're saying about the actual regional stars. I yeah. mean, too many people are, are sleeping on Ling Jing Nang. Okay, like this kid, welterweight. Uh, eh, Mike O'Donnell is one of the worst post-fight interviews in the history of post-fight interviews. Yeah. But the dude hits like a truck. He fights hard. Uh, two of the judges gave his fight 30-27. A third gave it 30-26. Uh, to beat Abe is, is one thing, but this guy just keeps going, keeps fighting, and it's like it, it appears like he never gets hurt in fights, you know. And there's a guy that I think they could start using and building uh, from the Asian market, and, and and not just keep him over there to compete, continue to bring him abroad. Um, I know at 170 and 155 are those two divisions that it's like good luck with that, but at some point now this kid's going to start making a run here, you know. I, th- I think he's 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 got to face stiffer competition, in my opinion. That is another, like you said, name that they can throw on shows in Asia and hopefully do well. One, five, of six. So last week, I was asked to make my prediction on Ovin St. Pru and Tyson Pedro. And I said, <laughs> I think Tyson Pedro is going to piece him up. He is too high level at one thing, but I'm not ruling an Ovin St. Pru submission out. As it turns out, both of those things happen. Just the guy that I thought would actually win and Pedro didn't win. Awesome come from behind victory for Ovent St. Pru and Pedro's got to round that game out a little bit, but still I think a promising performance for a 26-year-old facing a top-ranked, highly-ranked guy in Ovent St. Pru. But OSP, this son of a bitch, keeps getting it done. Four out of five in the light heavyweight division. 
And that looks that was after it looked like he was at the end of his rope after the Ozdemir knockout. In just under a year, since September 23rd, he's won four fights. Or no, April 22nd of last year. Won four fights. His only loss was to Latifi. And I think we could see a rematch in the near future with, with him and another guy. What do you think of this performance from both ends of the spectrum? A straight arm bar. You don't yeah, see those well, anymore. Is, though, so Tyson did good with the striking, right? He clocked OSP, right? And then decided to play with him against the cage, clinch with him against the cage and kept him up there for a while, tried to get that takedown. Then they go down to the ground and OSP on the ground sometimes is just crazy. The stuff that he does is what, like, you know, what he's got like 45 different Von Flu choke finishes and he pulls off straight arm bars. Like, that, those are rare. Very you know, rare. Those are, both, are, those, both those submissions are extremely rare. Um, you know, you could pull off a straight arm bar on somebody like that's probably half your size. Not somebody your size or potentially bigger. It's just I, a I very see some difficult. catch wrestlers do it, but I mean, catch wrestlers by and large train that double wrist lock so much it, it's a go-to. You grab yeah. a, a waist lock on a double on a on a catch wrestler, they're going to immediately switch to the double wrist lock, sit their hips down, and or try to maybe throw you over. The straight arm bar going up, while it's not, I don't want to call it embarrassing. It is rare, like you said. It is rare because it's, the leverage to get it is far more difficult than you know a kimura or an americana a double wrist lock. You can get leverage from a variety of different body positions with those submissions. With the straight arm bar, it's a little bit more difficult because it doesn't take much for someone just to turn their wrist, right? But OSP yeah. finds a way to like prevent you from turning your wrist, stabilizing your body, isolating your arm, and now you're in big trouble when his, when his forearm comes underneath your elbow. He's lifting while his right hand is pushing down on your wrist. Game over. I mean, the dude's generating a lot of power uh, in positions that most guys can simply turn their wrist. I just think Tyson Pedro... His MMA IQ at the time was incorrect when he decided to, you know, you, you basically hurt OSP, you dropped him, put him on his butt, or at least hurt him, and just step off, man. Keep the striking going. Don't engage. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, Kyler, in the chat talking shit about our staff predictions. My God. We got to get you involved in those, Joe. <laughs> just so I have Absolutely. another person to beat. Sure. But OSP picking up another big win. Here's the thing. We'll, we'll transition right into our next topic. I think his next fight should be a rematch against a returning Nikita Krylov. Who, whose uh, sugar daddy at Fight Nights Global is now in jail. So, so he has been released. Who knows, maybe he'll end up in ACB. Yeah. to go with another another despicable human being. But it seems like it clears the way for a UFC return. Nikita Krylov has been the subject of much humor on this show because he is a fighter who is 24 and 5. At one point, he was like, God, he had this outstanding record, but he got submitted with a Von Flu choke, and that is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing to get caught in a Von Flu choke. It's embarrassing for a UFC fighter. It's real embarrassing in a minute and a half. But, I mean, this was four years ago. And since then, he is 9-1. and one. His one loss was to uh, Misha Serkinov. And I had somebody say, oh, I'd like to see the Serkinov rematch. I don't know that that makes sense right now. Because since then, Serkinov hasn't won. And since then, Krylov hasn't lost. In the meantime, since leaving UFC, Krylov is 4-0. Four finishes, including wins over Emmanuel Newton and Fabio Maldonado. Not the highest level by any stretch of the imagination. But outside of the UFC, light heavyweight slim pickings. And those are a couple of good names to defeat. I think that Nikita Krylov should fight Ovid St. Pru. And I think that's a good intro fight to see where he stands. And how much he truly has improved. Put him in there with the number seven guy. I have absolutely no disagreement with that. I'd love to see it. I think it's a fantastic fight, good rematch. Sorry, I shouldn't say it's a fantastic fight. It's a good fight. Um, although I think OSP may not sign on the daughter line for that one. But I, I'd be more than happy to watch it again. Why not? It'd be fun. What do you think about Krylov's game since he's left the UFC? Well, ha- has it drastically improved? You can make the argument, perhaps. 
But other than that, this is a guy that's always been skilled. He's just missing a few screws sometimes, right? He's got the skill set. He can go far. Uh, he'd be great on that Russia show. Let's be honest. Be fantastic when the UFC goes to Russia. Could use him. Um, but his skill set is getting better. Um, you know, I think anyone that can compete against Emmanuel Newton and, and beat them, pretty damn good. Maldonado's, you know, past what he was before. Uh, he's got to be careful. You don't get tagged by him. You don't get into a boxing match with him. But other than that, you know, I, I don't think Nikita has improved a lot other than he's been competing. Manuel Newton won one of his last seven fights. Yikes. What a fall from grace. This is the yeah. same guy who beat Linton Vassell, King Mo twice, Eler Latifi, David Heath even. Like, he's got some decent wins on his record. Man, as I look, Emmanuel Newton's first fight was in 2003. You know who it was against? In Mexico? Brian Ebersol. Holy jeez. You want to talk about a guy that had traveled around... Yeah. For his, his UFC run, Brian Ebersol was all over the place, man. Fighting everybody. Wild Is Travis stuff. Fulton still fighting? Travis Fulton, I'll find out. Yeah, Travis Fulton, that guy there, man. He was one funny guy when I spoke to him before. That guy there has fought. Oh, my God. He's got he's to have over 100 fights. Tony Lopez is still fighting. Oh, no, he's got over 300 fights. He's 255, 54, and 10. Uh. Okay, so here's the thing. He fought in November, was scheduled wow. to fight this month in Elite Fight League, but the fight got canceled. Wow. But he fought four time, or three times in 2017. He lost all three, actually. So before all this, he was 254, 51, and 10. And I don't think he ever fought in the UFC, did he? Yeah, he did. I think he fought Jeremy Holt. Yeah, 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 he fought Pete Williams. And then he, Williams, fought, yeah. he fought David Dodd. Yeah. Yeah, so he did. Man, that's wild. Also wild, speaking of long careers, Rashad Evans has retired. It got real bad over the last several years. Like, Nikita Krylov fan said, I don't know why anybody would pay to watch Rashad Evans fight, and I was in the same boat. We said heading into his last fight with Anthony Smith, he hadn't defeated any current UFC fighters. No active UFC fighters. <laughs> He retires with quite the resume, however. Won Ultimate Fighter 2 as a heavyweight. This is a guy who eventually moved to middleweight. What are your long-lasting memories of Rashad Evans before we get into his, his career? Uh, at TriStar, recording some fight school segments and him double-legging me about eight feet into the air and then dropping me down and Faraz Zahabi running onto the mat wondering if I was okay while I'm laughing. And Rashad told him to back off. Rashad's a jerk, will always be a jerk, and always makes fun of me, and put me through hell every t everywhere I saw him, with the exception of Florida. He always treats me nice in Florida. But LeBron, for me, is one of those guys, Sean, that... You mean Rashad? Oh, sorry, LeBron. <laughs> I'm looking at the chat here. Sorry, guys. I'm looking at the chat here. You guys are talking about LeBron. Where is he going to go? Um, yeah, Rashad is just one of those guys that I've, I'll, I'll always have time for. Um he had a bad rap, in my opinion, by some of the fans, booed so much. Never forget that season 10 of The Ultimate Fighter with him and Rampage, which really showed uh, some serious wit, some good trash talk between two guys. Uh, there was a feud there with him, a feud there with John Jones. Uh, I will always have all the time in the world for Rashad Evans. I think he was just, it, 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 it get to the point, man, Father Time catches up with you. And, you know, I think he's made the right call because... He was losing those fights, wasn't getting hurt, and in his last fight he got hurt. And that's when you say, okay, you know what? We're done. All done. Hang him up. So kudos to Rashad for, for making that decision. Lost five in a row. Seven of nine. His last two wins were Chael Sonnen and Dan Henderson. They're middleweights. Let's just be honest. They're middleweights. His win over Phil Davis looks even better now. I mean, although Phil Davis has really rounded out his game. But he had that tough two run where he beat Murphy, Whitehead, and Jardine. He has the distinction of selling one million pay-per-views on top twice. Sold 700,000 with John Jones, 630 with uh, Sonnen as a co-main event, 635 with Machida. So he did some strong pay-per-view numbers in his day. Of course, that would decline after 
Rashad Evans, I think, or, or after uh, Rampage Jackson, with the exception of John Jones. But I think that that Rashad Evans Rampage Jackson fight that was the end of the honeymoon for Rashad Evans as a draw. Because I know it left a bad taste in my mouth, all the trash they talked, yeah. and how well it was built up, and how Rashad said, get you a Snuggie, I'm going to put you to sleep. And then what happened was one of the most boring fights in UFC main event history. Not only that, but it was in a str- I think it began or was in the middle of a stretch of some of the worst MMA excitement-wise in history. I mean, yeah. we were seeing some real boring stuff here and there. Uh, that whole show was pretty rough. And I remember Jason Brills getting passed over on that decision to Noguera. There was already a bad taste in people's mouth. Todd Duffy whipped a guy's ass for three rounds and got pawed and beaten. Yeah. Bisping Miller didn't deliver. It was just... There was, there was a lot of negativity on that card, and I think a lot of that contributed to it just being over for Rashad Evans as a top draw. Because I think if, had he knocked out Rampage Jackson, or at least put on an exciting fight, I really think the John Jones-Rashad Evans fight would have sold over a million instead of 700,000. However, his ascent to the top, he beat Stefan Bonner, drew with Tito Ortiz, later got that win, but beat Bisping, Liddell, Griffin back-to-back-to-back. Got beaten by Leota Machida, which we remember, but then had another outstanding run. Tiago Silva, Rampage, Tito, Phil Davis. So he's beaten some, he's got quite the resume, quite the names. Sent Sean Salmon into the territory in which he likely threw fights for the rest of his career. <laughs> Jesus. Have you ever seen that guy's record lately? No, I haven't. In I like I 2011, saw- I remember one one of the companies that I commentated for we're gonna bring him in for a fight and I was like you know he throws fights right oh and they're like what no he doesn't no he doesn't and I'm like alright you you wanna tell me that this supposed high level wrestler who does grappling tournaments all over the world is getting tapped out to heel hooks in 25 seconds oh he, he's getting hit, hit and fall over he got tapped with an Achilles lock in 57 seconds like, he had five or six, or six or seven fights where he ended it ended in like a minute and a half, two minutes. Which, you know, that's a far cry from what Bob Sapp did. Because Bob Sapp did it in places there were no commissions. Where yeah. he just couldn't get in trouble for it. But yeah, uh, Sean Salmon lost like ten straight fights like that all in the first round to end his career. You can thank uh, Rashad Evans for that. But that oh, was one of the that was the one of the most iconic knockouts in UFC history to that point. As was the Chuck Liddell knockout. That I was there for right. the Chuck Liddell one. I was there live in person, uh, and I, I vividly recall it. It being basically at my eleven o'clock or my ten o'clock, depending where I was sitting in the media row. But I remember being over to my left, and the sound of that punch landing on Chuck Liddell's face was one of the craziest thuds. Or whaps that I've that I've heard um, in live MMA, and I've been to my fair share of events. Um, you know, even calling I'm calling Titan this weekend, and I've seen some crazy stuff at Titan. But man, Rashad Evans, that punch that landed was absolutely crazy. Holy smokes! Outstanding career for Rashad Evans, although it didn't you know it doesn't end the way that he would have liked to have. A guy who's had his career end a couple of times, and not the way that he would like to have. Gerald Harris. Go type in the keyword Gerald Harris at the top of Fightful.com and you're going to see a feature that I did on him a couple of years ago. He has come back again. He first retired in 2013 after beating George Santiago at World Series of Fighting 4. Couldn't get a deal going there and lost essentially three years of his career. Came back in 2016, won, a couple, won several fights, including one at heavyweight, one at welterweight, one where another guy didn't make weight, just all kinds of issues. Decided to hang it up again, got called on a couple months ago, and lost to Rafael Lovato Jr. But he's back in July, facing another guy that (laughs) Bellator's having trouble getting fights with. But James Lynch spoke to him. The full interview is at youtube.com slash fightful. Take a listen. 
Hey, what's up, man? It's good to be back. Hey, it's good to talk to you, man. I know uh, you got a lot going on right now, so I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, let's talk about your last fight, uh, your Bellator debut. It was short notice. You took on uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. Your first loss since 2012. I know uh, losing is not something you're used to. Uh, what did you take away from that performance, especially with the fact that it was short notice? Nobody wants to lose, you know, short notice fight, but... I was kind of helping guys prepare for fights, and I had a discussion with the team, and they was like, man, do it, because I got heavy hands, so I can knock anybody out. You know, my cardio wasn't the greatest, but with time, I mean, I'd have been all right. I wouldn't have, like, gassed out or nothing. But it was a perfect opportunity to earn a contract and hopefully move up the ranks at middleweight. Um, this fight is currently at 170, which will be my absolute last time making 170. And uh, I'm going back up to middleweight, man. I can't do 70 anymore. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Why are you fighting at welterweight? It was just this was the only fight available? It seems like that was it. They did me a favor by putting me on this card because the card was full already. And I guess this guy's been signed for a while and they couldn't find anybody to fight him. So, you know, I'm, I'm always game. You know, as long as the money matches the, the competition, I'm always game. I know a lot of guys say, oh, I'll just fight. But it, it is about the money, man. You should get paid what you're worth. And they're taking care of me. But, you know, when I get to the bigger names, I definitely want bigger paydays. I mean... And I want to be a bigger draw, so it all comes together. Today is June 20th uh, when we're recording this interview. This fight's uh, coming up here on July 13th. So how long have you known about this fight, and how long have you been trying to cut that weight to get to 170? I'm on a very strict diet. I've been on it every, you know, for a long time, kind of make adjustments as my age goes up. But uh, 170 is just, it's just too much of a cut for me. You know, when they call me for the um, – Lovato fight, I was about, two, I was 215, you know, and I was just kind of just chilling, working out, no diet, and I cut 27 pounds in three days, so for this fight, it's just every week I'm taking off two or three pounds, and, you know, it's okay, it's doable, but I'm 38, man, you know, and just tired of cutting weight, so I can, I can handle myself at 185. So what, when did you find out about this? Because like I said, we're recording this in June. Did you find out last month, month before? When was it that you actually found out about the fight? And when did that process start? Was it right after your last fight? Maybe two weeks after the fight. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, and, and instantly I go, shit, I got to make weight. <laughs> like, I, I hate that feeling, you know, but at the same time, I'm grateful to be on the card. So I'm not complaining by any means, but I let the organization know, like, I'm going to do this, but this is it. You know what I mean? So they're, uh, you know, they're working with me because I was not supposed to be on this card. It's in Oklahoma, which is not often, maybe once or twice a year. So, man, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity and just move up the ranks, man. I want to get into the middleweight, um, not title pitcher. I just want to get up in there where I can get the big fights. Very excited to see Gerald Harris back in the cage. And he said that he's not making welterweight anymore. 27 pounds in three days. And made weight. Wow. Keep in mind, he had an opponent show up at like 220 or 230 in 2016 for his return. So they what he did... to the mat? Yeah. He s just slugged down a bunch of water, got his weight up, and then immediately lost it. You could hear Pat Militich, who has me blocked on Twitter for some reason, <laughs> say on commentary, if I were Gerald Harris, I would go vomit up all that water immediately. Nuts, man. Very excited did you, to did see you him fight. Did you off uh, Pat Militich with anything political? I don't know what I did. I don't think so. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah. What if it gets political, he gets, what it gets like... What the hell? Yeah. What else we got today? Machida to Bellator. Gegard Busashi said he wants to fight him again because Machida was 100% on PEDs. <laughs> <laughs> Gegard's, uh, you know, when he wants to, he's, he, can, he can stir that pot. I like it. Ripping apart Rory, now taking shots at Machida, gets his Rory fight, already planting seeds for his next fight. I like it. I like this, uh, Musashi. I like it. Keep her going. Keep her going. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What what do you think Lyoto Machida to Bellator means? Because this is a thing, If my God, if you've watched any show that I've done over the past year, I've said... Those middleweight rankings are going to look way different. This is another example of that. Leota Machida leaves after retiring Vitor Belfort. He got a win that he probably didn't deserve over Eric Anders. But this is the first time he's fought anywhere but UFC since WFA King of the Streets. Yeah. A show that had... Him and Rampage, I think. Him and Rampage. Had Boss Rutten on it. Had Mayhem Miller. Had Rico Rodriguez. What show doesn't have Rico Rodriguez, though? Former failed WWE superstar Ron H2O Waterman. And how about this one kicking off the show? Martin Campman. I've heard of him. Yeah, I miss him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that whole thing with the once he retired, went to Team Alpha Male, become the coach, and then that thing ended pretty quick. Yeah. So, so Machida heading to Bellator, I, it's something that middleweight division needs. That middleweight division needs a little bit of help. I think he's one of the right guys to help it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I wonder if, if Vitor Belfort's going to follow suit. That'll that'll be interesting. But at the same time, um, I'm no longer. I know a lot of people rip Bellator for signing these guys that are no longer good enough in the UFC. But they're believe it or not, they are somewhat not massive, but they are needle movers. Okay, because when Machida does fight in Bellator, it's another excuse for you to watch Bellator. You want to see how he's going to do with whomever they match him up against, right? He is still a name. He's a former light heavyweight champion of the UFC. He's a guy that you will tune in to see, or most people will tune in to see, because he's a name that was part of an era for the UFC that was pretty big back at the time. So if you haven't watched the UFC in a while and blah, blah, you remember the Dragon. You remember Leota Machida. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's fighting for Bellator. What's this Bellator? And you see it on free television. Maybe. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to watch. Well, maybe maybe yeah, you okay. see it on free television. Based on their new... Uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Let's go ahead and Wait. talk about that. The, the, the biggest show they are ever going to have, probably, short of Kimbo Ken Shamrock, because that was just... Or anything Kimbo, because he transcended everything. They announced a streaming deal with... I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce this. Dazen? Dazen? Dazen. What is this? They're going to stream a show with Gegard Musashi and Rory McDonald, Vanderlei Silva and Rampage Jackson, and a welterweight tournament. What the fuck are you doing, mate? Why? They are essentially transitioning Bellator into a loss leader. Sort of like the UFC. Is that the new business model for MMA companies? Uh, just become loss leaders. I, do you ever get a press release and you look at it and you're like, what? What? I've, I've never heard of this. Co- what am I missing? You realize that you've been out of touch or out of society, that you don't know the importance of the, the press release and the contents of it. And then you look around and you're like, wait, What? happened here i don't get it but it it, you know the streaming thing is is just the way of the future it's just the way it's going it's the way i don't know if we're there yet but you know this whole you know not pay-per-view model but the whole you know you you basically want to you what is it called vod video on demand yeah right it's it's the way things are going because nowadays you know I, I don't know what it's like in your household or anyone in the live chat or tuned in right now what your household is like more often than not i'm going to watch whatever i want to watch not what's on television i may scroll through the channels if there's nothing that i like at my my ipad or my computer or whatever is open right away and i've got netflix i've got youtube i've got whatever i want type in it type in the topic Hit enter, and I've got a massive playlist of whatever I want to watch. So it seems like it's the way of that 
18 to 35 year old demographic nowadays and I can see why Bellator is doing it as I get a notification from Netflix on my phone. Um, it's pronounced it, DAZN, by the way, which is why apparently you have what? one vowel. You need more vowels than that. I don't believe you. You're DAZN. You're not DAZN. You gotta buy those vowels. And you haven't paid your dues, Dazen. So, apparently they are in the top 6,000 websites, which surprises me, because I had never heard of them before today. Never. Uh, when I got the press release, like I said, I was like, man, am I out of touch with society? Like, what's happening here? Right? Right? Doesn't yeah, make I'm sense. Their, their global rank is around 6,000. They get apparently 10 million ish visitors a month. I wish we got 10 million visitors a month. Maybe we need to. Jimmy Van, open up the wallets. Bring in <laughs> Rory versus Gegard Musashi. Get Rampage versus Vanderlei. Damn, man. Damn, man. I don't get it. I, I would think that you would want your biggest card ever to be seen by the most people ever. Or at least put it behind a paywall and get some money for it. Because I really think that Musashi versus McDonald and Rampage versus Vanderlei is a solid one-two. You throw Baby Slice on the first fight of that, that pay-per-view. You got MVP on there. And then some other fight. I'd put the women on there. I'd put a women's title fight on there too. I think that's a solid pay-per-view card, but man, I can't pretend to make any sense of of that. Now, are you talking about Bellator's decision or the fact that we're going to go back to D-A-Z-N is the zone? It's I, I, bro. It is. I'm sorry. With all due respect to the company, I wish them all the best, and I'm sure it's a fantastic – I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's a fantastic product, but wow, that is just weird come up with a product that people will automatically who know how to read English or just putting four letters together I would never have come up with the zone by looking at that no yeah more contract news Michael Chandler's is up soon it you know, this wasn't even really a conversation a few months ago it was like yeah just sticking around with Bellator no big deal he played us closer it's getting man I think he could leave. He's got a leverage. He has to leverage. Yeah. I, I'm confident Shelby would take Chandler in a heartbeat. Yeah, me too. Like, why wouldn't you? Kid's exciting. Not really in his prime per se. That dude can have some 32. fun. Yeah. Yeah, that dude can have some fun right now in the UFC, at least the next two or three years. But, I mean, you Man. look at the people that he's lost to. Eddie Alvarez and then Will Brooks, and uh, those were even close, uh, a couple of them. And the Brent Premise thing, who knows how that really would have ended up? Who who knows? Because Brent Premise and Chandler couldn't get on the same page and fight again. Premise hasn't fought since. It's been a year. Mm-hmm. Premise haven't hasn't fought since then. I remember they fought during last year's Hog and Craw. I went to the Hog and Craw <laughs> 2018. And he still hadn't fought since then. Damn, man. I think he would be an awesome addition to the UFC. But I'm not putting it past an ACB or somebody like that to make him a big-ass offer. I, I don't doubt that that could happen. They they throw these big numbers out here and there, and I don't know if it's sustainable. We'll find out. But I want to see what's going to happen with the UFC in 2019, to be honest with you. With this new deal with, with ESPN... And the majority of it appears to be going online. And what it's going to mean for the roster, what it does for the roster, and what those fighters that potentially, I believe, are going to have to get released, where do they go, and what happens to grassroots MMA or these other organizations that are not the UFC that are you know, quite uh, basically the, the, the fillers for the UFC. It's going to be an interesting 2019. So Josh Barnett left the UFC, asked for his release, was granted it. Glad the UFC did that. They should have done it earlier, but I don't blame him. He said it was his failure. I don't know, failure. Um, 
how can I put this? He didn't have confidence in USADA. Now, given his checkered past, some people can say, okay, whatever. But I, I agree with him because he was exonerated here, lost a year and a half of his career when he ain't getting any younger. Said that he wouldn't mind fighting in Japan, wouldn't mind. I can't remember who he said. He said he wanted to suplex Pujanowski, too. <laughs> Jesus, that big dude. Yeah. yeah. So that that could happen, and that's such a Josh Barnett thing. That is so pro wrestling. I like it. I'm glad the UFC honor or made this happen, but I don't blame Josh Barnett one damn bit. Not a bit. No. How about you? No. He, Rising will sign him tomorrow, man. They'll take him no problem. You know, considering he's got fighters that compete there, he's there all the time, he's got a name in Japan, uh, you know, there's a potential fight for Mirko Krokop right there if he comes back to uh, to Ryzen, right? So there's the retirement fight there. I know he wants Fedor, but, you know, there's there's a Barnett-Krokop fight, it'd be fantastic. Uh, a Barnett inside the ring against some of those up-and-coming heavyweight fighters at Ryzen would be absolutely fantastic. I'd love to see it, but... Uh, in terms of Barnett and what he wants to do, I don't blame him, man. I don't blame him. I know he's got that checkered past when it comes to performance-enhancing drugs, but you know, it's hard to say. It doesn't matter how many guilty sometimes someone can be. you got to prove that they're guilty, no matter what, each and every time, as much as it sucks. You may have a swaying opinion that says, ah, you know what, he's done it once before, or this person's done it before, or this time, that time. It still doesn't mean they're guilty the next time. you still got to prove it. I agree. And Josh Barnett, had, he moved to pro wrestling for a little bit. Man, they could put him in Bellator, and you book him in Fedor, and that's a fight that was supposed to happen, what, 10 years ago and never yeah. did? I would love to see that fight finally happen. I would love to see Josh Barnett versus Fedor finally come together. People I don't want to see him against, Bellator, if you pick him up. Rampage Jackson, don't want to see it. Don't put Rampage up against wrestlers anymore. Just don't do it. Even if they're really exciting ones. Just stop. Stay away from it. We're going to see a main event next week at UFC 226 between a couple of wrestlers that do have some striking. Cormier, Steve Miocic. We will have live coverage. I'm going to bring you all a live podcast. Don't know who will be on it with me. I'm going to do it right after the New Japan show. As well, I'm going to try to go back-to-back. That's going to be wild. But, because we have so many pros picks next week, I'm dividing them up. We're going to give you more pros picks for Stipe and Cormier next week. But here's what they think this week. The guys in the UFC, especially nowadays, that new breed, are just so much bigger. I think the heavyweights that were in strike force were pretty much kind of Cormier size. The only guy was uh, uh, the giant, uh, Silva. Yeah, he was. he's like a, you know, he's bigger than like everybody. But uh, I mean, Stipe, when I stand next to Stipe, it's like, this is a giant, man. You know, he's like 6'3". I mean, he walks around just, I mean, look at, the, look at his frame. He's just big. And he's fast. He's got great boxing, good head movement. If you, when you got, uh, got back and watched him fight um, uh, Francis, his head movement was on point. That's what won in that fight, I think, his head movement. It was great. So I'm going for Stipe. I got Stipe. I think his stand-up, I think people aren't, are not respecting his, his grappling. Like, I, I rub- them. I'm not saying he's an Olympic level, but you don't have to move like an Olympian to get to wrestle. I'm not an Olympian. You just have to know how to really do a double leg and sprawl. It's not that hard. I think he's very good at that, and I think he can win with that. Actually, I'm giving it to Cormier. Like, for some reason, my, my, my initial everything is just to say Cormier is going to be able to out-wrestle him. Uh, avoid a lot of the big shots on the on the uh, uh, on the outside and not push forward too much. You know, Stipe gets a lot of his best work done when when guys overcommit. And I think uh, if DC is smart, like like he should be, he'll sit back, he'll let uh, he'll let Stipe come to him, and 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 then he'll uh, be able to take him down from there. That's uh, that's that's gonna be a great one, man. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, obviously, um, DC has done well at heavyweight, but. Um, I've been saying this for a while, and people didn't want to listen. People said that Stipe was, you know, just a guy who was going to win the title and lose it. But I, I don't, I don't see anybody beating him for a while. That's really what I think. He's looked amazing. He's well-rounded. Um, he's got amazing wrestling. Very good stand-up. He's strong. He, um, I think he's, um, 
he's a size too big for DC. I don't think DC is going to be able to take him down. And I think uh, Stipe is going to win a striking battle. Um, yeah, Stipe. Or Stipe is going to win the striking battle, sorry. Uh, Stipe is going to win that, yeah. DC won't be able to take him down, and Stipe is going to win the striking. That's how I see it going, and um, yeah, Stipe is going to win, for sure. He's going to do what DC does, man. He's going to wrestle him up, box him up, pressure him, uh, all that stuff. He is uh, He's undefeated at, at heavyweight there, um, and uh, even at light heavyweight, it's questionable. Uh, um and but uh, I think he matches up nicely in terms of his skill set. It's something Stipe hasn't faced before. Um, someone who can out wrestle him, someone who could pressure him. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to that. But I do think uh, DC is uh, is the goat for a reason. Man, I, I haven't even thought about this fight yet. Um, geez, uh, I like Daniel Cormier a lot, um, and his takedowns are insane. I think if he can get the takedown, he can definitely beat uh, Stipe. Uh, I think Daniel Cormier can win that fight. I'm going to go with uh, Miocic, you know, because he's also a good wrestler. I know uh, Cormier is an Olympic-level wrestler, but uh, Miocic is just a bigger guy. So I feel like if he can stuff those takedowns, he hits harder. And, uh, you know, I I would still give him the edge on the, the feet. All these pros picks videos available at youtube.com slash fightful or fightfulmma.com. And then you hit that exclusives tab. This show, my friends, brought to you by our friends at omg.com. Go check them out. I talk about how I cook with it every day. I love it. I've developed like this. This affection for pan-fried meals with ghee. <laughs> Cooked some good country fried steaks with it today. Kind of counterproductive to the points of ghee. But I love it, man. It's how I get some omega-3s, omega-9s, vitamin A, D, E, and K. I love, love ghee. Let them know you heard about us from o- or at Butter on Twitter. But they... If you haven't tried any food with ghee, you got to give it a go. You can give it a go by going to uh, omghee.com using that code at FightfulMMA. Uh, their ghee is made by or made with 100% organic essential fats, free of additives, preservatives, chemicals, or flavor enhancers. It's just 100% pure, wholesome food. It's considered a superfood by a lot of top nutritionists and athletes because of its high healthy fat content. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't tried it, give it a go and let them know that you heard about them from us at OMG Butter on Twitter. They are also on Instagram. Go find them. But uh, just say, hey, heard about your stuff from Fightful.com. Might go over and poke around and use that Fightful MMA for a steep discount. Again, Fightful MMA. You can't get that code on any of our other shows. Just our MMA shows. We're bringing this to you guys. A bit of an Easter egg. Wanderlei Silva. Wanderlei Silva. Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei Silva. He's fighting Rampage Jackson again. I like it. Why yeah. not? It's just a precursor for their fifth fight. Sure. Because you think Rampage is going to win? Yep. I believe so. That'll make it two and two. Do it. Tim Traver says, I'm getting some of that butter. Don't call it butter. Just call it OMG. <laughs> That's O-M-G-H-E-E dot com. I think this is a smart booking on Bellator. Uh, Rampage and Vanderlei, not OMG. Although if they put OMG in the food that they cook for catering, that would also be a good idea, too. You wouldn't have as many weight misses. So... Rampage has often criticized Bellator for how they book him against wrestlers. And I completely agree. I don't know why you sign a Rampage Jackson and, according to what he claims, for the best contract he's ever had. And then put him up against wrestlers. Like, that that seemed very counterproductive to me. Yeah. Why why do you think they, they seem, they like to do that? Why? I think there's still uh, – it doesn't make sense, number one. But I think there's still that concern – or not concern. There's that, that belief that, you know what, he does have wrestling still. He can defend the takedown and he'll knock people unconscious. But he can't. But, 
bingo. Right? So it's 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 not comical, but it is funny. It's like, why, guys? Why? Why put them against someone? If you want to see an exciting rampage, as much as it sucks because it's mixed martial arts and guys can do whatever and girls can do whatever they want when they compete, the dude doesn't want to fight wrestlers. If you want uh, the most bang for your investment by signing Rampage, put them against a striker. Yeah, it's for what they do. Sometimes they they go against their own best interests. Yeah. And man, it's just it's it's weird to me. If you want to grow, don't do that. John Jones and Daniel Cormier went back and forth against uh, with each other on social media this week. Man, it was rough. John Jones says, "I don't have a platform, DC. That just sounds dumb. Even after years of suspension, I have just as much, if not more, of a platform than you. Every win you get goes on my resume. You know who you dream about at night. I'm sure your wife knows too." At first, I thought you were trying to convince fans that I beat you because of performance enhancing drugs, but now I'm pretty sure you've convinced yourself too. Keep doing that. Good thing for you, the next time we fight, I'll be all cleaned up. Let's see you dominate me this time since I cheated the first two times. Good luck in your next fight. I've always wanted to be heavyweight champ. Who's your daddy? And then DC says, John, you're a bitch. <laughs> You're one now, always been one. Sit back and watch me be great, you steroid cheat. Let's not talk about wives, man. Come on. I'm sure with all the shit you've done, I could get a conversation from your wife. I mean your girlfriend, baby mama. Someone says, DC, you're better than this. Take the high road. And he replies, I always do. Fuck him. Those two guys are just, they're going to immortalize themselves. As some of the best stuff, that we're, it's a gift that keeps on giving, Sean. Those two guys are synonymous with each other for the rest of their lives. We're going to see them as old men in their 60s one day, 70s, uh, cage side, octagon side, ring side, still arguing with each other. Some way, somehow, it won't take much for one of them to just fall back into this mode here, no matter how many times we think there's going to be peace between them. Yeah, man. They, it's always... You know, and the funny thing is, just before that, Cormier said that he won't respond to John Jones because it'd be like glorifying Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong did a lot of great things for cancer patients. I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but he did respond. Kyler says, DC blocked you. Really? Why? What'd you you Uh. do? What'd you do, Kyler? He still has me on there. Man. Also, Nate Diaz allegedly got involved in a brawl at a Sacramento jiu-jitsu event. A viewer said, Nate Diaz just whooped a dude's ass in the crowd at F2W Pro 77. Lesson is, if you're going to talk shit to Nate Diaz, he will beat the shit out of you. This happens far too often. I'm very confused about why he wants to fight for free so often. I don't know. I I get really frustrated with the story that is Nate Diaz. First and foremost, be around Nate Diaz. Be around uh, Nick Diaz. Uh, Although Nick Diaz is a little different because I've been uh, in a bar with Nick Diaz when things almost went down, and he did take the high road. Nate Diaz, on the other hand, I've heard many stories. I've seen it with my own eyes, but I've heard many stories from other fighters that this dude is ready to go at any time. The minute you test his manhood, the minute you test, you think you're a badass or ba- it doesn't matter where it is, Nate Diaz will throw down. Now, Nate Diaz, unfortunately, doesn't have that ability to realize, I got to take the high road. I'm a professional fighter. I shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. But obviously someone talked trash and he's going to do what Nate Diaz does. And he's just going to hurt people. And it's not the way you should be composing yourself. Um as a professional fighter, but this is the Diaz's, man. That's what they do. Keeping it real. Stockton, 209. Unmute. PFL 1 took place last week, and I will say, while the TV numbers weren't great, I had more buzz on my timeline for PFL than I had for World Series of Fighting in a long time, whether positive or negative. The positive. 
Kayla Harrison looked real good. She looked like a real women's prospect. Unfortunately, we're going to run into a situation, much like with Cyborg, where she doesn't have anybody her size to fight. However, I'm really, really excited for a few years down the line, for if Kayla Harrison is still undefeated, for people to encourage Cyborg to move up and fight her, and for Kayla to put out a bunch of weird deadlines, and all this shit that Chris Cyborg's team puts out <laughs> for her. So, because I mean, that will be the thing. They'll be like, oh, the two biggest girls that are successful, let's have them fight. Kayla Harrison looked really good. That's pretty promising. She took her time. She got in, and she is already better than CM Punk. Your thoughts? Uh, I haven't seen anything regarding PFL because we didn't get it up here, to my understanding. Ooh. I searched. I searched and searched and searched and couldn't find it. I could be wrong, searching something incorrect, but I didn't see it. So I caught some clips online. I saw some of the controversial stuff. But other than that, uh, I wasn't blessed enough to watch actual <laughs> fights. Other big wins. Brian Foster got a win. Always good to see him winning. Efren Escudero, we'll talk about that in a minute. Sean O'Connell, Will Brooks got a win over Luis Firmino, pretty dominant one. Brandon Halsey beat uh, beat Rama, that's good to see him back in the saddle. Vinny Magalayas and Dan Spawn. Uh, local guy out here, Jason Butcher, lost. But Efren Escudero, did you see this quote-unquote finish of Jason High? The only clip that I saw didn't show the left-hand move. Or didn't show where the left hand went. And apparently, to my understanding, is it wasn't a tap. Shouldn't have been a tap. Ref step in. Now, you, for those that don't know, when it comes to refereeing mixed martial arts, you don't have to tap three times yeah. to submit. If, if, if a tap motion begins, one hit is all you need. That's a tap. Okay, It's not considered tapping. It's a tap. One tap, it's over. Um, so I don't know what the referee was seeing. or I, I didn't get a chance to see the opposite angle. But if he didn't tap or didn't make a motion to tap, that fight should not have been stopped. Bad call. Escudero missed weight. It was very, very clear High did not tap. And he almost went at the ref again. <laughs> almost did. But he thought better of it. I mean, the guy lost over a year of his career, essentially, to this situation against Rafael Dos Anjos in 2014. And it is heartbreaking to see this. He had won three of his last four, and who knows how that fight could have ended up. But, man, it's just rough to watch a guy like Jason High in a situation like that. Matt uh, on our YouTube chat says you can watch PFL on Facebook in Canada, Joe. But, man, it's a bummer to see that happen to a Jason High. A guy who, up until, well, when he was in Strike Force, he was like 16-3. and three. He was a real big prospect. And just, he's been consistently inconsistent. He'll win a couple fights, lose one, win a couple fights, lose one. I hate to see anybody have money taken out of their pocket for something like this. It sucks. It's yeah. trash. That's the whole point. Whether you're a ref or a judge, you've got to understand, first things first, as a ref, you, you are in charge of, of the combatants' lives. Make sure they got to follow the rules and you know be careful as to what's going to happen during a bout that no one leaves there. Uh, you know, you're, you're there to prevent these dudes from killing each other or ladies killing each other. That's that's just the way it is. Okay? Uh, and you've got the unified rules of mixed martial arts to follow. As a judge, you've got to realize if you aren't paying attention, if you don't know what you're doing, commissions and commissioners should always ensure that the judges that are sitting cage side or ringside should be certified under something under the ABC, whether it's Big John's command course or not, that they know what they're judging. They understand what they're seeing, that, that the smallest thing can take a 10-9 round to a 10-8 round to whatever. You get their call wrong enough times, you're going to affect a fighter's purse, how much money they can make, and how much more money they can make in the future. Because being undefeated is a lot different than having one loss on your record, two yes. losses on your record, three, four, five losses on your record. Each loss kind of you know puts promoters in a situation where it's like, ah, I don't know. I, that poor fighter, you know, if they get screwed with a bad decision – a loss could further their, their chances of getting to the big show. Guys, I want to thank you all so much. Like us on YouTube. Subscribe. I know there are some issues with the post-Raw podcast, but you can download it over at Fightful.com. Let people know about our show. If you like it, 
just tweet about it. Just post about it. All that stuff really helps. MMA is in a down period. And I'm looking at some things to really expand our reach. So you all letting people know that you all like the show goes a long way. You all telling our sponsors at OMG Butter on Twitter that you heard about them through us helps our show. Visiting OMG.com helps the show. And of course, visiting FightfulMMA.com helps the show. I'm headed out for vacation Thursday. James Lynch still has his uh, MMA Industry Podcast on Thursday. I'll be back on Sunday, Monday. Eh, maybe. What do you have going on this weekend, Joseph? Titan FC 50. It's their 50th show. I leave tomorrow. I literally just got my flight uh, itinerary while we were live on the air. So uh, now I know what time I'm leaving. Uh, a little stopover in Ric Flair's hometown, Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, and then I hit Fort Lauderdale. <clears throat> and, of course, the return, same thing, stopping uh, Charlotte on Saturday. So Titan FC this Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, UFC Fight Pass. Make sure you check it out. It's a pretty damn nice card. Good fights, good matchups, and it's going to be fantastic. And looking forward to, well, we've got sun here now. Uh, but looking forward to getting some real heat down in Florida, which is much, much hotter than it is up here uh, in Toronto. Uh, it's going to be a interesting week while I'm gone. Obviously, I've got tons of soccer stuff. I was nominated and accepted a position uh, with the local soccer association as a director. Uh, nice. So more work for me. That'll be uh, interesting and fun. Uh, but yeah, and lots and lots and lots of World Cup stuff going on. So uh, as soon as Sean says goodbye... This guy will be sprinting downstairs to catch up on the rest of the games. So uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting day, evening, tomorrow, travel, all that jazz. So As, as we wrap up, of course, OMG.com, Bellator 201, I want to touch on it quickly. Tyrell Fortune, Ed Ruth, both on the show. Tyrell Fortune facing a guy 8-3, and three, won no contest. Ruth fighting a guy 15-2. and two. If Ed Ruth wins this... That, that's very, very impressive. Juan Archuleta, 18-1 and one against Robbie Peralta. That's a good fight. Ron Couture, Syed Awad. I'll say this. That's a Bellator fight. That's a Bellator fight if I've ever heard one. Here's the big one for me. Christina Williams, 2-0. and She has that win over Heather Hardy. Boom. Valerie Letourneau after her second fight. If Christina Williams can pull off that win, Huge. it's already title fight time. Oh, yeah. Big time. Speaking of title fights, Alima Lay McFarlane against Alejandra Lara. We have interviews with Lara uh, on the, the site, and I think Alima Lay as well. And then Carrie Melendez has a fight. That show is, is going to be worth checking out. We'll have live coverage opposite of Ring of Honor's show, and we'll have Titan results as well. Lots of good stuff. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. I'm creeping towards that 10,000 mark. You know, 10,000. I was just. 30,000 or whatever the hell Joe's at. No. Not even close. Or 20,000. You're almost 20,000. Whatever. Whatever. Follow him at Showdown Joe. Follow us at Fightful Online. Until next time, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.